Welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I am your secret keeper and confidant, Lauren White. I'm a qualified counsellor and sexologist, facilitator of all things turn on, author of permission, and a witty, highly intuitive lounge room dancing introvert. I help you as an exceptional woman in entrepreneurship to see, love, and trust all the parts of yourself, especially the unseen. Let's pull back the curtain, light the candelabra, and lift the veil. These are the secrets women keep. Hello, and welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I'm your host and confidant, Lauren White, and today we have a completely released guest. Her name is Jin Ong. Dr. Jin Ong is a cathartic release therapist. She's trained professionally as an osteopath, psychosomatic therapist, Western medical acupuncturist and herbalist. She has treated thousands of clients and founded the MetaMed Health Clinics in New New Zealand and hosts the Art of Listening to Your Body podcast. Jin works with complex physical and emotional conditions that don't respond to traditional or conventional therapies, including surgery. She weaves in various traditional and Eastern philosophies with Western medicine to intuitively read the body and understand what emotions are stored. Most importantly, she facilitates a deep cathartic and transformational process to liberate the body of physical and emotional pain. Jin loves to dig deep, speak about the unspoken, and help people process unresolved emotions that hold them back from living the life they truly want. It's all about getting comfortable with discomfort. She is my kind of woman. Jin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> that last that last bit, speak about the unspoken. Like it was when I when I read that. I was just like, yes, 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 yes. All my favorite things, releasing, expressing, unspoken, digging deep, comfortable with discomfort. I was like, yes, I am really excited about talking to you because I'm in anticipation of the ways that our work will overlap because we both do release work, but in a different, from different different positions and maybe with different intentions but I'm excited about the overlap so welcome welcome (laughs) thank you oh I'm looking forward to this conversation what will come up what will come up (laughs) um that's the exciting thing I like getting on and inviting guests on and just being so open to what's going to come up and what wants to be said so on that note Whenever I have a guest on, the first thing we do before we delve deep into what your work is and the secrets of release, because I'm dying to know what the secrets of release actually are, Uh, before we do that, I always ask guests about the bathroom stall moments in life. Now, the bathroom stall moment, if you are going, wait, what's a bathroom stall moment? It's one in which you're trying to hold it all together as everything feels like it's falling apart. So you kind of, you might be crying, you might be releasing, but you can't, you feel like you're on your own and you can feel really lonely in that. Sometimes like when I'm in a bathroom storm and I feel like, oh, I want to be simultaneously seen, but I want to be invisible. Like I want someone to see me right now, but I don't want anyone to see me right now. I'm wondering, Jen, have you ever had a bathroom stall moment? And feel free to substitute it with, um, being on an aeroplane or like, <laughs> or being in your office or any, it can happen anywhere. Yeah. When people ask these questions, my brain just goes crazy thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to come up with something. I've got to come up with something. And then a story that I've been sharing recently probably falls into this category. And my bathroom store would be on my parents' couch in their lounge room. Mm-hmm. And that is when I had a six-week-old baby, Violet, mm-hmm. and we had her at home at my parents' house as intended. And actually, while I was pregnant, I went to the Mind Body Fest in Melbourne with my husband. And I remember him getting drawn off to this guy with this cheesy-looking book, and I wanted to go down this other direction going, what are you doing? We're not into that kind of stuff. and 
the guy was really great with how he pitched himself and he said, I'll follow up with you. I know that your wife's about to have a baby. And it was about four or five weeks into having this new baby that this guy actually kept his word and he followed up with my husband and invited him to this self-development seminar, which we and I had never really done any in-depth self-development stuff. And he went off to this seminar. I decided to stay at home with our six-week-old and he came home and he said, now, before you freak out, we can get a full refund, but I've just signed us up for this four-day event up north of Australia and it's $6,000, which I'm pretty sure was our last $6,000 in our bank account. We had both worked where we earned income and we just spent it, never really thought about saving. (laughs) I always say, you know, those people that say they've got no money yet they've got 100K in their savings account or even $10,000, we didn't have savings accounts. We just like lived off what we earned and always trusted that we were going to earn more money. So um, we had saved for me to have 12 months off from work so they could be fully present and an attachment parent. And he also hadn't um, found any work at this point. And so there was a little bit of tension there as well. And I burst into tears. I was like, what have you done? And just thought it was absolutely crazy. And um, then we had a good chat about it. And I am one of those people that when I invest, I make my money back. So I said, okay, well, let's do it. But you better make sure you make at least that $6,000 back. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> I'm not happy right now. Yeah. And it turned out that we didn't do it together. So I felt like it was too early to go up there with a three-month-old. So he went off and did it and he came back and he was just so motivated. And I was that person that wanted to pull him down. I was like, whatever, you know, he had done this personal growth and I hadn't met him there. And then another three months later, so Violet was now six months old, I decided to go and do it and he was going to come and fully support so that I could just pay attention to that course. And um, yeah, I loved it. I was in the room from 7am to 11pm. Violet would come in and breastfeed. Sometimes she'd sleep on the floor and he was just solely responsible for her. And after that, I was just hooked. I wanted to do the next thing. And I decided that we're going to spend 50K that we didn't have (laughs) and invest in this and learn about business and emotions and living an aligned life and living the life that we desire. Yeah. From a place of feeling like we didn't have a lot of money. Yes, we had money, but we didn't have a lot of money and didn't understand about creating financial freedom and all these kind of things. And yeah, that was the moment where I felt really alone and I feel a little bit guilty about how I was that person that I know my clients experience, the other people in their life that try and pull them down when they're doing that personal growth. Luckily, you know, only three months after that, I got aligned and then I was the one saying, well, let's spend 50K and try and make it back. And it didn't pay off straight away, but it paid off about three years later. Yes. Okay. I love this topic. This is something that we haven't really delved into yet, but I, but it's a topic that turns me on is about investing in yourself and the ways that that monetary investment comes back because it's so much more than money, right? It is, you do hope, I hope this comes back. It's more, it's more. What would you say the more is when you make an investment like that in yourself? Oh, it's definitely personal and emotional growth because I know that at times I hated this person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then now I look back on it and just realize the growth that was available to me there. And it did pay off three years later. So it was in terms of learning how to invest in property. I didn't know how to talk to banks, I didn't know how to really build relationships for the long term. Uh, I also learned about planning my my clinic business that was mm-hmm. really my second baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned some foundations around that and it really set me on the path of do what you want and you can tie in emotions with a strategy. Yes. yes. Uh, and also probably the mindset, I wouldn't recommend everyone drops 50K on a credit card or three credit cards as we did yeah. because not everyone has yeah. the ability to like make it back. But I know that that is my personality that I can drive and I can I can get that return. And it was hard waiting three years. So it's that patience game. And a lot of what I teach now is just learning 
to surrender to the process and just know that it's all part of it and it's going to lead you to where you want to be. Um, What else did I learn from it? So much. It was the start of my personal development journey and the start of learning to invest in myself and just being around people, knowing what was possible. Mm. I keep on meaning to touch base with this particular person just to tell them where my life is over seven years later because I remember doing an exercise of writing out how I want my life to look like in seven years and a lot of that seven-year stuff happened in a, in just a few years. I was also exposed to futures trading and I was brought up and, you know, my parents would say it's just gambling and that that conditioning. But then futures trading was quite fun. It was learning about human behavior and your own emotional state. You have to be in a very stable emotional state to be able to trade and take losses um, and also take the wins. And one of the lessons I got from that, I don't futures trade anymore, but I invested again, my last $2,000 because I had accumulated a little bit of money, but I invested my last $2,000 to futures trade. And it wasn't, you know, you don't want to trade with money that you're worried about losing and where you feel like you've got to make the money. Yes. Okay. Can you, because of everything that you know, can you tell us what goes on in your body when you part with money and you're in, you're in a contract, you're in a contracted state about it? Mm. versus when you're in a, a, a state of trust about it. Can you talk about the differences and what goes on from everything yeah. that you've done? Oh, I can definitely feel the difference because when I hand over money, it's such a different energy now. And just knowing it's going to come back to me in some shape, way or form. Previously, you know, investing that $6,000 that my husband did and then the 50000 and then the 2000 in the futures tra- trading, Uh, It was scary. It was a really fearful place, but there was so much growth available in all of that discomfort. And also there was this feeling of desperation that this has got to work. Like I still say it, you know, that I know uh, I want to at least make that money back. But now rather than wanting to make the monetary value back in my bank, it's like I want to make it back in some way in some form of growth. So it's not necessarily monetary anymore, but definitely it was fearful. Um, My emotions were a little bit all over the place and, you know, the frustration, the blame, the hate for this person, which I don't have that anymore because I got so much out of it three years later versus now when I invest and it's something that I do try and teach my clients is, you know, when they want to work with me or if they want to work in one of the group programs, I never put pressure on them that this is going to be the thing that's going to change their life, but it's going to be part of the process. So if it's not right now, it might be right in a few years' time. So when you invest in anything is put good energy into it, not thinking that this one thing is going to fix you. Okay, that's really really sound wisdom. So when you're about to invest, check in with where your body's at and what kind of energy is going with you parting with that money. Check in yes. with that intention. Check in with what what you're actually feeling when you, yeah. okay. And I think you can practice it with small things, like when you go out and you get a coffee or you spend a couple of dollars on something. So yeah. many people feel guilty just spending a couple of dollars or buying the chocolate-coated almonds or the Mm. organic veggies in the supermarket, they feel guilty because of that increased spend. So you don't have to start off with feeling good about a personal investment. It can just be your day-to-day expenses that there is actually so much guilt around. And checking with your body, I usually say to people, it should feel a little bit exciting, but you should feel a little bit nervous. And that's the right place to be when you want to work with me because I know there's so much unknown but just tune into your gut, tune into your heart. And if it feels too fearful, I'm not going to force you to do it because mm. it's not going to work. There's yeah. going to be too much desperation around the coaching and you're going to block rather than surrender. Yes, yes. I love what you're saying. We're so aligned. We're so aligned. I When I get on a call with people who are interested in working with me, the first thing I'm looking for is excitement. So I've given a bit of a, I've let one of my secrets out there. And basically what I worked out within the last couple of weeks is if someone said, uses the word, when I, the first thing I ask is how are you feeling about our call today? If they use the word excitement, 
they're coming through. If they use, if they say something else that that doesn't have a vibration of excitement or the word excitement in there, it usually doesn't pan out. It's really interesting. So excitement is an important vibration for investing in yourself and taking that leap. And I wholeheartedly agree with you. There should be some nervousness around it, some charge around it that doesn't feel completely comfortable because you're about to grow. Yeah. Getting comfortable in discomfort. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite thing. So in the work that you do, can you feel like, can you feel energetically the difference between someone who struggles to spend those couple of dollars on themselves and someone who's more open about investing in themselves? Like, is there anything, I know the root, I know the root chakra is, you know, centered around security and home and, you know, kind of intertwines with sacral when it comes with money. Like what, is there, yeah, is there anything that you've noticed or any sort of patterning going on in people's bodies when they're closed around money, investing? Mm, yes, for sure. So this is what I call financial lower back pain. Ooh, pray do tell. tell. Oh, I've got some goosebumps. Please keep going. <laughs> and you've already talked about the base and the sacral chakra, mm. but I find that the lower back is just a really unique blend of the base, the sacral and the solar plexus, which is where the majority of people get stuck. And the way I use chakras is to help people work out what emotions are stored in their body. So therefore they can go and process it. But yeah, lower back pain, I always call it financial lower back pain. And it's usually, as you say, base chakra is about sense of security, stability, grounding, um, your sense of ability to provide for yourself so your basic needs Mm -hmm. and then the sacral chakra does have a lot to do with relationships governs emotions around relationships but then it also has to do with sex money and power so this is probably where your work comes into play Mm -hmm. and then the solar plexus is all about our identity our self-expression our trust and confidence and self-esteem in ourselves And so usually you need that combination of the base, the sacral and the solar plexus to be able to put yourself out there in the world, to feel safe, to be able to generate. And I always ask people, okay, even if you've had a disc injury, a facet sprain, a strained muscle, and you really know it was physical, is just to think about what was going on in your life that day, that week, because sometimes it's cumulative and it's just the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's not necessarily the physical thing, but what is the emotion that was stuck in your body that weakened that area and predisposed that area to injury? So yeah, we've got a physical element that we need to look at, but then as we know, so many people have got low back pain that should have gotten better, but didn't, or they were told to do their rehab, but they didn't because the emotions keep them stuck from moving forwards and doing the things that will actually help themselves. So is... Firstly, have a think about what was going on in your life and in your emotional and mental state when you injured your lower back or you got that random lower back pain when you didn't do anything. It's never random. It's usually seated in emotion. Mm. And so I notice it a lot. um, It comes up with redundancies. And I noticed a lot during COVID that back pain just came up because of this, you know, no longer was an employed job, a safe job, because you could be made redundant but it also happens for employers, for contractors, sorry, that just some people don't like contracting because they want the security of employment. They want to know when the next paycheck's coming. They don't want to, um, they don't have the confidence in themselves that they're going to be able to generate the money. And then the fear of when this contract's over, am I going to be able to get another one? And sometimes people just live moment to moment which is good in a sense, but then they forget to compile the evidence that they've done it all before. Yes. So, you know, they've signed 10 contracts in the last year. What's stopping them from doing another 10 in the next year? They just forget and they they get conditioned in this state of fear. So some people might have a million dollars in the bank and still feel insecure, whereas another person has got a thousand dollars in the bank and be fine. Now I've actually back in the day ages ago, and also my husband did have like low back niggles. I haven't had it for years now. I've always had the confidence that I will be able to generate the money, even, you know, when it was pre-pregnancy and when I, you know, had the six-week-old baby, it's knowing that, okay, I'm going to be able to generate um, 
this money, but I have changed my relationship um, around money, but I don't get that low back ache niggle anymore. And also my husband, since we did all of that stuff, um, he um, maybe still has some money mindset stuff to work on, as I think most of us do, Mm. but has let go of that a lot and doesn't tend to get the achy low back anymore. So it's, yeah, employment, fear of like, am I going to get that next job? Am I good enough to get that next job? Mm. And can I value myself? Can I ask for that pay rise? Can I ask to charge people that much if you're self-employed? So um, there's that element of the money and the financial lower back pain, but also um, contracts in life is really big. So this is where the relationships and the sacral chakra comes up in the lower back is Um, if you are signing on a mortgage and all of a sudden you're worried, okay, is my job and my income going to support this mortgage, this contract that I've got? Um, And divorces and marriage as well. That's a contract. So Mm. what's going to happen with my money? Um, Am I going into this marriage and feeling like I'm going to be financially dependent on this person? And then likewise, divorce. Uh, where is my financial independence? I have been financially independent on this person and I've got kids and where are the support payments going to come from? How am I going to survive on my own? So those are just a few examples of how the financial lower back pain can come up. And for people who might have the lower back pain to think, has any of those things happened in your life recently or in the past were those things going on? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that. And the piece that I really loved that you spoke to was around, um, I can't remember the terms you used, but it was when people neglect to put the pieces together of what's happened so far. It's like the same fear response is coming up, but there's just this absence of going, but wait, I just did the 10 contracts last year. I have like compile the evidence. I think you said it was something along those lines. It's like, God, we can get into so much fear and just forget. That's why, I mean, a lot of the words I use on the podcast and on social media is like remember, remind. It's just like we can forget when fear is so present in the moment, we can forget so much about ourselves and we can neglect to compile the evidence and be mm. in that contracted state. And that to me is what makes contraction so dangerous is too strong a word, but because it's not dangerous, but protracted contraction so Mm. limiting is that it just has you living with blinkers on and you forget your essence you forget what you're capable of you forget your power yeah exactly it's about being able to go into that contracted state but then expand out of it again yes okay so you've given us some really key insights into what you know how that how some of those uh, blockages, limitations, restrictions around money, for example, show up in the body, what would be, and I understand if you can't release all your secrets, but what would be a secret to release around that part of your body um, on a, like on a more somatic, well, no, on a somatic note, on an energetic note, just whatever feels good for you to share if someone is like, whoa, that is me. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So I absolutely don't mind sharing the exact process that I take my clients through. I do it a lot in like free masterclasses and people, uh, they are able to implement it and get a shift, which I really love. I think we just need to share this information, but then some people do need to have it facilitated as well. So just know that if you do this and you're getting a little bit stuck, then um, you might need to look for someone to support you to do this process. So it's a verbal process for me and it's like you say, the secrets that we keep but the things that aren't spoken about is that if we give a voice to it and not necessarily to other people but within a safe environment or even in your own environment, then that can um, get a shift already. Now, as I said, the financial lower back pain it's tied in, it's one of the ones where it's really tied in with quite a few chakras. So it could be so many things like base chakra. You could have issues with that because you moved 10 countries by the time you were 18, or you moved five different homes in one year. And that sense of instability and lack of grounding um, results in emotions that you probably didn't really know how to handle or express when you were younger. It can also be that you were brought up in a violent household and so you didn't feel safe and protected. It could be that you were brought up with very religious beliefs that you're now in conflict with and values and foundations 
uh, stemmed in the base chakra, that location. Um, and then if we go into the sacral chakra, it's your relationships with your grandparents, your siblings, your parents, uh, your previous partners. I always talk about the affairs. Maybe you were the person that cheated on someone or you were cheated on. It has to do with fertility, miscarriages, abortions, workplace relationships, um, the sex, money, power relationship as well, sexual expression, emotional expression. And then if you've got solar plexus issues, <laughs> then it could be that you were um, you experience emotions of shame around different mm-hmm. events in your life or you were bullied is a really common one. And they manifest in so many different ways. So someone might have the low back pain, but someone else might uh, manifest this symptom in a behavioural dysfunction. So that's why it's really important to, you know, get the individual view on it because we are all so unique. But what would I do is because I've just run through so many different scenarios there is if you're just doing this on your own, either you've resonated with some things that I've um, spoken about and those would be the events that you process. Some people don't even know where to begin because their cup is just so, their emotional cup is so full. Mm -hmm. So I say, just tune into your low back pain. What's the first memory that comes up for you? And it doesn't need to be this long meditation. It's just go with intuition, instinct. What's the first event that comes up for you? related to that sensation in your body. And then there's kind of four parts, but the first one is very different. And so this is really good, really basic for anyone who's just like, I can't get into the verbal dialogue. Just do a scream. (laughs) And it's amazing how many people hesitate to even just get sound out of them. But it takes about five or 10 seconds to scream And that can start to help you access memories and it can start to help you access emotion as well. So it's not just anger or sadness. Again, I don't want to put too much in people's heads, but just Mm. have a scream out of frustration. Just let it out and see what comes up. So um, scream release, do it every single day for three weeks is what I recommend. And then when you feel good, you just drop down to doing it once or twice a week. And then this is where I talk about like scream coaching is that, okay, if a scream isn't enough, then maybe you can get into a growl or a grunt or a big sigh, just get yeah. used to that. Um, and for the pe- some people who launch into it, they're absolutely fine and they feel the shift, they feel the anger come up, then they feel the sadness, maybe the laughter, the whole range of emotions. And then other people just have so much judgment and criticism on themselves on why they can't get a scream out. So it's just observing all of this dialogue and having someone help make sense of it so that's the really really easy one that people can do is just the screen release yeah and that's accessible to most then if you are going into the verbal dialogue process this is where you're giving a voice to all of the unspoken stuff because my thing is is that you've been through events and life experiences and traumas and they're all associated with emotion that just wants to come and go but we can get we get conditioned as to how to express our emotions or um, we're too busy to express our emotions, especially mm-hmm. in Western society. So it is about going back to the event, feeling it somatically in your body, physically, mentally, but then expressing all of the emotions that you weren't able to give a voice to at that time. So verbal dialogue, three parts. It's a one-way conversation, a two-way conversation, and an inner child or younger self conversation. And there's a few rules to it. You need to feel safe doing this. So if you are having really poor sleep and you're trying to hunt for a home right now, your attention is going to go there and your body is not going to want to release. So that's safety. You have to feel like you are in a safe place. Um, And you don't want to harm others. You don't want to harm yourself and you don't want to go and break and destroy things. So people think that when they do releasing that they need to have the person there. And sometimes this person is not alive anymore. Sorry. They're not alive anymore or they're mentally not there or they're emotionally not there. So the conversation is actually not possible to have. So this is really great because you can do it on your own. So you would just bring that event into your mind's eye, whatever it was, just trust it. You would bring that person into your mind's eye and you would start having this conversation. And I say, be as nasty as you want to be. Say all of the words that maybe you feel guilt and shame around, but 
you're not harming this person right now. Just get it all out. What do you think of them? Just swear your head off at them, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to do, and then tell them how it is you feel. And then you're going to tell them what it is you need. And for some people it flows and other people it doesn't. But Mm -hmm. usually when you hear your own voice, you have realisations, you take responsibility, you actually recognise how you feel and you acknowledge those emotions. And then you switch to a two-way conversation, which is you imagine this person speaking back to you and you're being their voice. You don't need to change your voice. And you're going to let them say whatever it is they want to say, all of their excuses and reasons as to why they behaved the way they did. But this time, instead of putting up a fight, you're going to listen to them with an open heart. And it doesn't matter if it was right or wrong, because sometimes the things are really wrong, but you're just going to hear them out. And this is where you come from a place of understanding. Mm. And then you've told them what you need in the one-way conversation. So then you're going to get them to speak out loud everything that you need, even if you think it would never be possible that they would ever have it in their capacity to say these things, just allow it. So many people have blocks with this. They're like, they wouldn't say it. I'm like, yes, but just... Let them say it. Let yourself hear this and realise what's possible. So the two-way conversation is when people come to a level of understanding. And then the inner child or what I like to call the younger self conversation because younger self can be you yesterday, a week ago, two months ago, not just your five-year-old self, Mm -hmm. is you go back and you go and talk to your younger version of yourself because at the end of the day, only we, yourself, knows how you want to be supported. Mm. And the example that I use for that is that, yes, usually your parents unconditionally loved you, but they didn't support you in the way that you wanted. So for some parents, they would have supported you financially, but not emotionally. Now other people emotionally, but not financially. And then, you know, there's lots of rabbit holes with that. But you just go back and you have like a one and two way conversation with your younger self. And in the example of pain and say you had lower back pain and you had a disc injury that was really severe, it's so easy to just get caught up in it and just wonder, what is my future going to be like? Am I ever going to be out of this pain? When is it going to be over? And you haven't realized that you never answered that to your younger self for 10 years, yet you've been out of pain. So you go back and you tell them, how has it played out? And sometimes it still hasn't played out how you want it to, and you just be honest. Mm. And if you are doing this process, you usually are doing the work. So you've gotten started with it. So I say it, And people will be like, oh gosh, there's so many points to remember. It's actually a very simple process once you get into it, but you need to practice it to really get in the flow of the conversation. And some people who get stuck, they just, they get stuck in their head. They're really analyzing it. They want to do it perfect the first time. So they never do it, but it's a verbal dialogue process. It's hearing stuff. It's giving a voice to the emotions And when you were younger, you probably actually didn't know how to voice up about these emotions. It wasn't in your emotional vocabulary. So sometimes you need to go back and give a voice to all of the stuff. And interesting that you're talking about giving a voice rather than doing this as a journal prompt. Can you tell us what the difference is between writing this out and speaking this out? Yeah, it's so different. I'm personally not a journaler and I have noticed because I use Ayurvedic doshas to type people around this work mm-hmm. and it's usually the kaffir or the more solid built people that like to ruminate on the thoughts. They're usually the ones that take a little while to get going with this process and they're usually the ones that say, can I journal? Because it's like they don't want to hear the sound of their own voice and how nasty they could actually be, but instead yeah. they're holding that inside of themselves. So if, if it's really hard for people, I say, okay, journal, but I want you to read out loud what you have written. And everyone has, who has done this, they say it is so different yeah. to actually hear myself and allow myself, allow myself to say all of these things that I've never spoken up about or shared to a group. So, yeah, it's, and that's the thing. I know a lot of people say, oh, you should meditate, you should journal, you should do this as part of your daily routine. I'm all about, well, what actually works for you? Because most of the time we actually need to do less in our life rather than add more things to yes. do. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. with that, this is where the emotional release comes up. Physical pain can increase. If you are getting whatever sort of disease state or maybe you have recurrent chest infections, you might notice that you start to cough like really 
really deep, deep coughs. Um, you might have physical pain increase. You might have your injury start to niggle a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you get the emotions of maybe the anger and all the sensations that come with that, the sadness. Sometimes people just like burst into hysterical laughter. And then I talk about the physiological releases, which is usually the cathartic stuff, but it doesn't have to be big for you to have a good release. Like all releases are good and over time they will get more and more subtle. So this is where skin can break out. You can get a rash, you can get pimples, um, uh, vomit, nausea. Yeah. Yeah. Pees, poos change. Shingles has been a really common one. Cold sores, warts. Yes, yes. All this crazy stuff that happens in the body, but it's yeah. not freaking out about it. Yeah, and to be open to the whole spectrum of release that your body can go through. I really, you, you said all release is good, and that just felt like a full sentence. It's like all release is good. All release is welcome. Just, yeah, be open to it. It doesn't have to be huge and monumental. It can be subtle and powerful yeah absolutely some so many people think I'm not doing this right because I'm not getting a release like that person did where they were having multiple bowel motions a day okay it's your experience (laughs) and I'm not speaking tongues what's what's going on (laughs) yeah (laughs) it is it's crazy all of this self-judgment that comes up and yeah yeah it's really like the the little person inside that hasn't been Mm. able to speak up Mm. I also really appreciated how you spoke about your younger self and that could be you two weeks ago. Or I love that. I really love that. I haven't heard someone put it in that in that framework before. It's like speaking to your past self, but younger self could be you mm. two weeks ago because the mind my mind instantly goes, okay, then I'm younger than 18. Yeah. Like I'm like I'm, and it just subtracts, it just takes away from all that growth that happened that can happen or did happen throughout after 18, 20s, yeah. 30s and, and exactly. Um you mentioned doshas earlier on and I don't it's like a word I know that I've never gone and investigated like properly. It's like oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Um I would love to know can you share us what doshas are and how influential they can be in terms of the way that we release. Mm, yeah. So that is how I use doshas. So doshas are from Ayurvedic traditional medicine, which is thousands of years old. So I pull on various Eastern and traditional philosophies, but I do use them very differently. So Ayurveda is like a healing art all in itself. So I want people to know there's so much more to it than what I'm explaining and I'm not professionally trained in it. It's just mm-hmm. the work that I've come across and the themes that I've recognized in seeing and working with all of these people. So what I love about it compared to say Western medicine that body types people simply by their physical appearance, but I've heard that um, there is some work going into looking more into the personality types of the Western terminology of people's physical appearance, like mm-hmm. ectomorph, mesomorph and endomorph. But I use doshas because it types people based on their physical presentation and also on their mental and behavioural and also their clinical and medical predispositions that they might have. So when someone in my group or if I'm working with them one-to-one tells me their history, sometimes it's a real obvious chakra imbalance um, or stored emotions based on all of these experiences that they've had in their life or it's a very obvious dosha imbalance that's going on. Mm. And it just helps make sense of things rather than having, I always say 12, like you can have 12 different things going on, but it actually comes back to one or two root causes, not 12 different things where you have to see 12 different therapists for. Yes, yes, yes. So doshas are vata, pitta and kapha. Mm-hmm. And I'll just give you a really quick summary. So the vata is usually your really skinny, lean type person. Mm-hmm. Your pitta is usually the more athletic built person who can kind of like lose weight, gain weight really easily. And then your kapha is your more solid built person. 
And so we're all born with a different dosha makeup and we have all three doshas within ourselves. Mm -hmm. But some people might be very primarily vata, others might be primarily pitta, and they can really strongly identify with that. Some people have a really even spread of all three of them, which can be a little bit confusing. And then others have got like a lot of one, a little bit of the next, and then a teeny, teeny, tiny bit of the third one. But doshas really explain what your true nature and your constitution is. And so I love to use it because I feel like when you get to understand your dosha makeup, your constitution and your true nature, you're not so influenced by all of this outside marketing and campaigns and people telling you that you should do different things for yourself. You start to make decisions based on what you know is good for your body physically and mentally. Um, So, yeah, each of these doshas, if if one of them really goes out of excess, especially if you're primarily one and you start to express that really excessively or not enough, there's some um, really key personality traits, behavioral traits, and also physical conditions that can manifest in the body. So that's just my brief summary on doshas and how I love to use it is working out how do I work with this person? What is the likelihood that they're going to get a big shift or not? in a period of time of um, how I'm working with them. And it also allows me to adapt to the different personality types and how they're going to take information in rather than like, this is the way you do it. And if you don't do it this way, it's not going to work. So it took the pressure off me as well when I wasn't getting results as quickly with some people. It's like, what's the pattern that's going on here? So I can tell the people who are probably just going to take that process that I explained and they're going to be able to run with it and they're going to get all these releases happening. And that's the pit of personality. That's the type A who just is like, (laughs) give me more, tell me exactly, tell me everything I need to do in one session and I'll go and do it. And they're very goals driven, Mm. but they risk burning themselves out. Um, The Vata personality, which is usually quite airy and they are associated with air is they tend to get really overwhelmed (laughs) and then they check out Mm. and they don't really get started and there's a lot of fear and anxiety. And then the Kaffir type person is trying to just make sure they've got all the information. Is that really enough? And they're getting stuck in their head and procrastinating and they usually take a longer time to start to make that progress. So for me as a Pitta practitioner, I had to stop trying to push every single person unless they were a Pitta. I'm like, I can go as fast as you want, but I will go at the speed that you require. Um, And then in terms of releases, I can usually tell how they're going to release. So usually the pitters are the ones with skin. They have the skin conditions like the eczema, the psoriasis, the acne. Mm -hmm. Um, They might have body odor issues. So usually when a pitter releases, they're going to have sweats, stinky body odor. Maybe they start to get bad breath and they usually break out in pimples or a rash really fascinating uh the kaffirs usually when they're releasing now this is only if you're like real primary like you're in one camp with your dosha yep they usually they have fluid issues but usually when they release they're full of snot and tears and you know they get real swollen and puffy eyes and then the vatas when they release they'll usually they can sometimes get the panic attacks. They feel exhausted, the headaches afterwards, um, very jittery and anxious. Mm-hmm. And it's about moving through this and knowing that actually your body's responding this way because it never got a chance to let this come out. So there's all sorts of variations, but those are the key things um, of how I use it, knowing how quickly people are going to implement and progress with this and also the likelihood of the releases they're going to have, but also the medical predisposition, predispositions that we really want to prevent. So rather than thinking, um, what is something? Oh, you know, my, my family has a history of anxiety, so I'm destined to have anxiety. It's like, well, yes, you might be a vata um, and thyroid conditions is common for vatas as well. So, oh, everyone in my family has had thyroid conditions, so I'm destined to get it. It's like, well, if you get in line with your true nature and really understand your constitution and keep yourself in balance, you don't have to drive yourself to that excess and then manifest the physical or the medical issue to make you look at how you're running your life. Wow, that's that's so powerful. You're effectively helping people to rewrite 
how their genes could play out in a way, how their how their lineage, their future lineage could play out by addressing things through their body, through their nature, through their energy, uh, and intervening rather than defaulting to what they've seen done or what they've always done. Yeah, and that's the generational piece that a lot of people talk mm-hmm. about or the conditioning is that, okay, if you've come across this work, you can break the cycle, but mm-hmm. it, it's challenging and it takes work. But, yeah, you are not that history. You are your own person. You've got your own pathway that you've been born into. Yeah. Jen, what's your most favourite thing about the work that you do? Like what the term I use is turn on. Like what turns you on most about the work that you do? Oh, I just love it when people get a shift. Mm. I love it when they get the big release. Mm. And I think that is how I've been able to put this work out there is that I was never scared when stuff would come up and out of people. I love opening Pandora's box. I love hearing all of the unspoken stuff, all of the secrets that people have never told anyone else. I just get such a kick and satisfaction out of that. It has also been to my detriment as well Mm. around um, expectations of moving everyone through this. So I've had to work through that and come back to this is all part of the process and you are not going to, some people will, but you're not necessarily going to change your life in three months, but everything you learn now, you're going to be able to take beyond this or six weeks or however long I end up working with someone. So, um, but thankfully I've had enough uh, big releases and life-changing stuff in people that I've had the confidence to just keep on doing this work. And having been an osteo for 14, 15 years now, that's enough time for people to circle back to me and come back to me five years or 10 years later and say, oh, you know that thing that you told me? I'm like, yes, I do. It finally sank in. I'm like, cool. (laughs) I love the surprise and delight factor in doing this work. I love the I love the email that pops up a lot when they go, hello, I don't know if you remember me, but I worked with you like three or four years ago. Like, yeah, of course I remember. (laughs) My first response is like, always, of course I remember you. I remember, you know, I remember you. And it's just so, I love it when people circle back and when people say things and, um, or you've said something, exactly what you said. And it was just something that needed to marinate. It just, it was seed planting it was put there it didn't make sense at the time and then later on it um it gets activated in some way it's really it's a really exciting part of the work is not knowing um I kind of see it as uh, something I journaled about recently was saying um like the way that the works the way that the work spreads I'm not responsible for I'm responsible for what I say but like that real trust in I'm not responsible for how the work spreads. It's just going to be so organic and it can be so organic on that individual level, like saying something and then years later um, it pops up and gets activated. And I love that. It feels so so mysterious and so magical. Yes, yeah. And I always encourage people that I've worked with and now being out on social media a bit more, it's like if you've had some good results, please let me know. Like I love it. Mm, yeah, yeah. We want to know your results. Can you let us, <laughs> can you let us know when, when something lands in? It's really, yeah, don't keep that a secret. Share that. Mm. And I think the celebration piece, the celebration of activation is um, sometimes not given enough of the spotlight. Like, yes, like that is so, that is so exciting. I'm doing a bum shuffle. Um, yeah. right um, you know, as a bum shuffler, right? As a baby, I was like the one that was <laughs> Ward out all the pants. Um, so yes, please, please don't forget the celebration piece. I think it's really good for the body to get into celebration of the release and not it's not doesn't all have to be um oh, and sorry, I'd love your take on this. It doesn't all have to be challenging and hard. There can be so much lightness and play and fun and like I said, celebration of when you release. It just feels fucking good. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. So many people forget the celebration piece. Mm. Like, right, I've done that. What's the next one? Let me get into pain again. Some of us are so attached to pain and constant challenge, but we need the polarities. Yes. 
Otherwise, people can get really down about being in this constant state of being in their depression, in their anger. It's like, okay, you're going to allow this in an intense period of time as long as you feel safe. But over time, you get to learn how to walk with anger, depression and sadness because they are all normal emotions that are going to come up. It's just that when you suppress it, that's when they become dangerous and they become more chronic and they get expressed in a harmful way. So, yeah, like it's not that you need to release every single day. It's usually a little bit more intense, especially if you're working with someone to just try and get things moving. But over time, like I say that I probably do a release once a fortnight, if that, but what I've learned is to constantly process my emotions in the moment, yeah, not retrospectively. So usually what we're doing is going way back into the past and then sometimes we're still having challenges happening day to day and we need to do a release on that meeting or that argument that we had with our partner yesterday. Mm. But what happens is that you start to express and communicate yourself better in the moment so that you don't need to store emotions Mm. and then do a process on them. So, yeah, it's, it's learning to walk with the dark and the light at the same time. And yes, definitely celebrate. I've had to learn and remind myself to celebrate and just sit and have the space to do that. Yeah. Yeah, Sometimes people feel a little bit lost when they don't have um, that pain to work on anymore because they've lived with it for so long. Yeah, it's been really intertwined with their identity and taken up a lot of headspace and energy and there can be some grief and loss around that, around the thing that shaped yeah. Yep. Yep. It's not just grief and loss of a physical person. It's grief and loss around the life that you once used to have, the pet, the loss of a body part. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge, huge. Jen, what are some of the most magical things that you've learned from your own teachings and how have you integrated them to create the life that you have now? Like you mentioned at the beginning about the journaling prompt, like creating the life that you wanted in seven years time, but the timeline actually collapsed and it happened sooner than that, which is exciting. Um, Yeah. yeah. What has there been anything else that comes to mind? Well, that has been a really big piece. You know, I put the seven year intentions out there and they happened a lot sooner, but I had to wait those few years to see how powerful they were just to set intentions, even though I thought it was impossible. And I guess the seven-year work piece is it's a desire statement and desire comes from your sacral chakra and it has a right to want and desire, Mm. but usually guilt gets in the way. Mm. So it is that whole thing of learning to walk with desire and guilt at the same time, but to really get into that feminine space. So many people do not get into the feminine space of just allowing themselves to get really creative, imaginative and to just go, well, what if, what if I could create this life? Now, even though I say seven years, what I'm working more towards now with people I work with is just set the intention, put it out there, but don't be attached to when it's going to happen. And that's why I think a lot of people get defeated by goals. If they haven't achieved it, then like, what's the point of goal setting? But usually they haven't even given themselves that chance to refine the process. So what have I learned is that putting intentions out there is really powerful and to stop worrying about what other people think because I've kept this information to myself, not for the want, not for not wanting to share it, but the other thing was to just stop caring so much about what other people thought. So that big piece around the solar plexus of fear of judgment and criticism, because I held this information inside of myself for a long time, not because I didn't want to share it, but I didn't know how to. And I was worried what other people would think, but I took the leap. So just go and do the thing, just start, even if it's really small and yeah, like the little seed, just watch how it can grow, but you've just got to be patient. So put intentions out there, allow yourself to desire, give yourself space, get over what other people think. Yes. And yeah, it's amazing. So many other things will start to fall into place 
a big part of what I teach though, is that even when you get aligned, I feel like I'm aligned with my sole purpose. It doesn't mean that the challenges are going to stop happening. Yeah, you might still yeah, get sick, yeah. <laughs> you might still get injured, you might still have horrible things happen. But what the difference would be is when you start walking the path and improving your emotional metabolism is that you can process this and you can respond to life differently rather than reacting to it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And um, you use the word fantasy in there, which really you said you can, sorry, you used imagine, imagination. Sorry. That's the word that you use. And I just wanted to also plant the seed for listeners of allowing that being imaginative to go into fantasy, to really go there and create a sense of fantasy in your mind, even if the external conditions don't align right now with that fantasy, to still allow yourself to do it because it can happen one day. If you can let yourself go there, um, you can really start to create your dream life that will not be struggle-free but... (laughs) Because new stuff always comes up. Old stuff makes a little return in a different um, <laughs> in a different context. And it's like, oh, hello again. <laughs> but um, I just wanted to I just wanted to slip that piece in to intertwine with the intentions and the desire to to really get imaginative. And um, that has like that's been a game changer for me this year. Is just going, well, why not? Well, why not? But why not? Like who says, why not? (laughs) And it's been such an active, it's allowed me such activation and activation for other women um, as well. So it's not just about you. It's about people beyond you that are going to be benefited by you taking those leaps. So don't be selfish. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes, we're definitely on the same page. And I love talking to people like you because a lot of the time I don't know the people that I'm interviewing or who I'm being interviewed by, but we just end up speaking the same language but just Mm. do it in a different way. Yeah, 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 I love that. That's what I love about having a podcast is it's like I know that I wouldn't be able to create like all of these conversations without a medium to do so it would just it it would be possible but it wouldn't be as possible um compared to having the podcast so I hope that everyone I in fact I know everyone who has listened who will listen to this episode will get so much out of it Jen am I able to ask you just a couple of quick shoot questions to let your um is it Pita dosha <laughs> like get a bit snappy yeah sure <laughs> I'll see how I go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No pressure, just first thing that comes to mind. Um, what's your favorite what's your favorite taste? Oh my gosh. Um well taste like an actual food. I like savory food. Yeah. I can't pinpoint something for you right now. I love all food. Yes, food. That's good. What's my favorite taste? (laughs) Food. Good. (laughs) What's your favorite ritual? Okay. So yeah, people ask me about rituals and daily routines. And like, I don't have a solid routine. Mm -hmm. If anything, I want less in my life. But one thing that I do, and it's not going to resonate with everyone, is that I got in the habit of writing out monthly goals as if I've already got them. And I read them every single morning before I get up to set my intentions around where is my focus going to be and what is it that I want to create? Love it. What's your favorite secret place? I don't have one. It could be internal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, look, I used to be obsessed with going to the mountains. Yeah. But I haven't the last couple of years. No, I don't have one. Okay. (laughs) My mentor gave the answer of her vagina for that. um, that question and it's just always stuck with me Uh, what's one (laughs) what's one word you want people to use to describe you I like to inspire people Mm -hmm. Mm. what gives you goosebumps oh I get goosebumps whenever people are getting a good release going not that it's good it's just a release yeah Yeah, yeah. (laughs) and who is one woman who's really seen you hmm I wouldn't say there's one I'm part of a few coaching groups and I would say it's all of the women and at a time there was a male in there as well. So people in the coaching groups that I invest in now, they really Mm -hmm. see me. 
Excellent. Love it. Jen, where can we find you? Sure. So my website, which pretty much directs you everywhere, is drjinong.com. And I am on social media, mainly Instagram and Facebook. And the handle for that is The Art of Listening to Your Body. And then, of course, The Art of Listening to Your Body podcast. Yes, thank you so much. And Jin has a beautiful six-week program simply called Release. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. So at she, the moment it yeah. runs twice a year, but yeah. that might change. Okay. <laughs> we need you and your work in the world. Please run it. You know, if it feels good for you, please run it more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is amazing what happens in that space. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jin. This episode was fab. Thank you. Thanks, Lauren. I have no doubts that this episode has contributed to your understanding of your secret self. If it's activated you in any way, please take the next saucy step. Share it, tag me on Instagram, tag Jin on Instagram so that together we can create an even bigger impact of women feeling seen, heard and understood.